G'day, Giselle Hanna here for this week's edition of Stick Together, the only national program focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues from a worker's perspective. This program is produced in Melbourne for 3CR and Community Radio Network on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to their elders past and present. Later in the program, I'll bring you some news from the garment workers' strike in Bangladesh, as well as catching up with Vic Sharma, the secretary of the Victorian branch of the RTBU, about Victoria's V-Line workers' proposed industrial action scheduled to commence on the 13th of December. I'm recording this show on Tuesday the 12th of December. But first up, some union news. Country Fire Authority, the CFA, vehicle maintenance workers in Victoria are maintaining work bans in their dispute for a pay rise in a new work agreement. The workers are members of the Australian Services Union, which has been in negotiations with the CFA for a new enterprise agreement for over a year. They've not had a pay rise since their current agreement expired in January 2022. The mechanics began industrial action in April, but limited it to minor bans such as not doing work covered under warranty or performing modifications on vehicles. Work bans were upgraded on November 29 to include three days of four-hour bans on performance of scheduled and routine maintenance or non-urgent repairs. These same bans were repeated on Wednesday through to Friday. About 30 workers from Utilita Water Solutions at Eagle Farm in southern Queensland stopped work and rallied outside their depot on Wednesday the 29th of November. They stopped for an improved pay offer in the company's proposed enterprise agreement. They also want essential clauses to be included in their agreement around the use of contractors and having apprentices directly employed by the company. The workers are members of the Australian Manufacturing Workers' Union, the AMWU, and the Electrical Trades Union, the ETU. The AMWU claimed that the company utilises a lot of contractors who are paid at a higher rate. Utilita Water Solutions is a joint venture between Ventia Utilities and Downer Utilities, contracted to provide infrastructure maintenance services for the state-owned urban utilities. About 70 electrical trades union members were refused entry to Bay Systems Henderson site in Western Australia on Tuesday the 28th of November after voting to take industrial action in their pay dispute. Workers voted in a ballot to approve taking protected industrial action following six months of failed negotiations between the union and Bay for a new enterprise agreement. Bay Systems installs and maintains electrical systems for military assets such as fighter aircraft and naval vessels and control systems. It is one of the companies listed in the global BDS campaign, the Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions campaign that activists are seeking to impose on Israel in response to its bombardment of Gaza. Close to 30 electrical trades union members from the energy distribution provider 
APA GasNet walked out for 48 hours on Thursday the 30th of November and rallied outside their depot at Dandenong, a southeastern Melbourne suburb. The strike followed five months of failed negotiations for a new work agreement between the company and the unions, which include the Australian Manufacturing Workers' Union and the Australian Workers' Union. Workers want annual 6% wage rises and a 36-hour working week, bringing them in line with other workers in the utility infrastructure industries. APA has now admitted to underpaying its workforce over the past seven years, a total of $32 million due to highly complex agreements and other administrative issues. And in New Zealand, nurses began a series of stop work meetings this week as part of a fresh round of campaigning for better pay and conditions. About 40 two-hour paid union meetings are being held for 30,000 members of the New Zealand Nurses Organisation who work for Te Watu Ora Health New Zealand. The New Zealand Nurses Organisation Chief Executive Paul Gorter said the aim of the meeting was to put pressure on the health agency and the new government to increase funding to the sector and fix the nursing shortage. Nurses had made it clear that they expected pay levels to match the cost of living. The incoming right-wing coalition government is preparing to launch deepening attacks on the public health system, including a likely push for increased privatisation. The October 7 attacks left many Palestinian workers from Gaza and the West Bank stranded in Israel. While some chose to stay in the communities in which they're employed, others tried to get home, all of whom were detained. Evidence is now emerging that many of these workers were beaten and tortured by their captors. Despite accusations that these workers were helping Hamas, the vast majority were eventually released but without their money or possessions. At least two Palestinian workers died in detention as their medication had been confiscated by the guards who refused to give it back to them. One Palestinian man, an insulin-dependent diabetic, died a preventable death despite repeatedly pleading with his guards to give him his medication. Other Palestinians recently released as part of the temporary ceasefire have also confirmed the widespread use of savage beatings and denial of medical assistance, noting that the behaviour of Israeli guards has worsened in recent weeks. And over 200,000 Anganwadi workers and helpers across Maharashtra began an indefinite strike on Monday over several long outstanding demands. Strikers marched to their respective district and collector's offices to submit their demands and then protested outside the winter session of the state legislature in Nagpur. The Anganwadi Workers' Union wants increased honorarium and gratuity payments and granting of government employee status. They want a minimum wage of 18,000 rupees, which is about 216 US dollars a month, which is the minimum wage for a government contract worker according to labour laws and an additional DNS allowance. 
One worker told media that after 17 years of service, she is still paid only 10,000 rupees a month and is not entitled to pension, provident fund or gratuity. Helpers are paid only 5,000 rupees a month. Anganwadi workers ensure proper nutrition for pregnant women and infants and teach young children to develop cognitive, emotional and language skills. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. We're going to hear now from the Victorian Secretary of the Railways, Trams and Buses Union about the V-Line strike scheduled to commence at 3am on Wednesday the 13th of December. Thanks so much for joining me. Your V-Line workers have voted to commence industrial action tomorrow morning. Tell me, what is the dispute about with V-Line? Um, this dispute is about an enterprise agreement that we have been negotiating with VLAN for nearly six months. Um, we are disputing on very critical matters which uh, matter the most to our members. The fight is about job security and the, you know, the conditions um, that they work under. Um, there are risks to the frontline jobs posed by technological advancements such as the driverless trains and the new ticketing system and we want to protect those jobs and VLAN so far has refused to address our core claims. Tell us about driverless trains. I'm not sure that many people of the general public would know that this is a proposal. It's not a proposal at this stage. We are not saying it's a proposal by VLAN or the government at this stage but we have to um, foresee what's coming in the future. We have driverless trains running in Sydney already, um, and it's a matter of time. So we want to put in protections against all frontline jobs. But the ticketless system that I spoke about, it is here. It was introduced on the 1st of December, uh, uh, well, this year, uh, which means that probably next year you will not need a ticket to travel um, on the Victorian public transport network. You'll be able to use your credit cards or your watches or phones. So that poses a risk to all the ticketing-related functions, and we want to safeguard those good old rail jobs. Yeah, that sounds pretty serious. I mean, that sounds like what's at risk are basically everybody that issues tickets and inspects tickets. Is that right? Uh, that's right. So it affects a wide range of uh, public transport frontline workers, whether you sell tickets, inspect tickets, um, conductors, uh, authorised officers, um, our station staff. So it affects uh, um, thousands of, uh, uh, you know, pr- frontline public transport workers, those who deal in ticketing functions. And in terms of um, the demands of the workers, is there anything around pay increases given the cost of living crisis? Look, we've recently closed an agreement with Metro and uh, that agreement um, delivered a a 17% pay rise over four years for our frontline uh, workers in Metro. Um, And we obviously, you know, don't want a situation where our regional workers um, get anything less than that value. So we, we are looking for a an industry standard agreement. But it, look, it's, it's not so much about the pay rise. This is more about the, the conditions that we are fighting, as I, as I said, about job security. There are other issues at stake here. V-line management is trying to casualize the rail industry. 
their idea is if a full-time employee leaves, replace that full-time job by two part-timers and give them each eight hour per week contracts. And they're trying to create this gig rail, you know, worker economy, which obviously we stand against. Um, that's not that's not rail as we have known. Um, rail has been known for good quality full-time jobs for over a hundred years, and they're trying to destroy that. Well, there are also some very, very highly skilled components of rail as well, and I would imagine casualization puts all of that at risk if um, you're replacing very highly skilled regular workers with casuals. Absolutely. Um, so they, this is under the guise of part-time employment, of course, um, but the way they are trying to run this is, you know, we'll give you an eight-hour contract and we will tell you when to come and when not to come, at, and that too at standard rates. We're not talking about penalty regimes applying to those people. Um, and to make it worse, they don't want the employees to have any effective dispute uh, raising ability as well. So they are um, digging their heels on uh, on the on our claims where we say, well, the workers should have effective dispute resolution procedures in the agreement. So if they are aggrieved over a certain matter, they are able to fight it. And so the workers' uh, industrial action is scheduled to commence at 3 a.m. on Wednesday, the 13th of December. Tell me what is currently planned, if you're able to. So we notified uh, this industrial action on the 3rd of December that our workers will walk off on the 13th, which is tomorrow, from 3 a.m. to 7 a.m., uh, which will mean that no trains will run during that time. Uh, and we suspect beyond 7 a.m. there will be a disruption to the to the um, morning peak, and it may go beyond that. It is yet to be seen. Uh, so uh, we will encourage the Victorian commuters to make alternative arrangements or work from home if you if you could. Um, so your journey is not uh, disrupted. So the action is going ahead. We notified VLAN 10 days ago, and they have. Um, so far refused to address our core claims, uh, so the action will go ahead tomorrow. Has the state government um, made any representations on behalf of either side of the dispute? No, so far we have been dealing with uh, V-Line and uh, state government has not intervened at this stage. Well, Vic, all the best for the success of the dispute. Uh, how can listeners support the V-Line workers if they wanted to? Uh, well, we will um, seek your support in solidarity, of course. This is a fight for our members, those who you know who are out there every day. Um, they cop abuse, they are assaulted, but they turn up to work. They help the Victorian community and they've been doing it for years and years. And we can't allow some corporate strategies to hurt these people. Um, and we will uh, appreciate, you know, messages of support on social media. Um, and um, so we can get these people the rights that they deserve. And actually demonstrate to V-Line and the state government that the Victorian people are with the workers. Absolutely. Vic, thanks so much for your time today. Was there anything you wanted to add? I just want to say that um, VLAN needs to get serious about respecting these people, those who are out there every day, and they need to start taking their claims seriously. Um, and, and that's what they deserve and that's what they must get.
Bangladeshi textile workers in the ready-made garment industry have been taking industrial action for most of this year in pursuit of an increase in the minimum wage to meet soaring prices on basic commodities owing to an economic inflation crisis. These protests have been met with fierce repression, including reports of at least four workers having been killed by police and more than 11,000 being charged with violence and vandalism. The Bangladeshi government is using violence, torture, disappearances and arrests to try to stifle what is the biggest uprising of garment workers in over a decade. And meanwhile, workers remain malnourished and struggling to meet the basic requirements of life. I spoke with the president of Bangladesh Garment Workers Solidarity, Taslima Akhtar. Uh, For the last one year, more than one year, we have been campaigning for uh, increasing wage of Bangladeshi garment workers. Uh, You know that Bangladeshi garment workers are now getting only 8,000 taka, which is very close to $73. We have been demanding for last one year for 25,000 taka, uh, which is close to $215. For the price hike and inflation, it is very difficult for garment workers to survive with only 8,000 taka. So last one year, we were campaigning uh, on this. And uh, last um, 9th April, government made a wage board. Uh, After six months, they declared a 12,500 taka, which is not our expected one. After that, uh, in uh, our country, within workers' area and factory, there is a spontaneous movement started. And still we are demanding uh, government to reassess the uh, declared wage. Uh, So these are the things going on. Uh, But we don't think that uh, Bangladeshi garment worker can survive only with 8,000 or the announced amount, like 12,500 taka. So we are uh, campaigning for the increase of minimum wage. And we know that the issue is not just wages, even though that is the most pressing issue. Can you tell us a bit about working conditions for Bangladeshi garment workers? In Bangladesh, more than 4 million workers are working in this sector, and near about 60% are women. But um, after Rana Plaza, uh, Wallops and Tazreen fire, you know that more than 100 workers died in 2012. Uh, when Tazreen fire happened. And just after a few months, uh, in 2013, uh, Rana Plaza collapse happened and more than 1,000 workers died. And after that, uh, we thought that maybe um, our workers uh, will get a new life. Uh, But uh, we see that uh, after uh, Rana Plaza, our owner, entrepreneur, um, government and international brands, all of them are trying to say that they are more conscious about the wage, about the safety and trade union rights. But all these promises um, are in paper, but not in practice. We saw some, uh, we see some difference uh, after Rana Plaza, especially uh, some development of our industry infrastructure. In last few years, we haven't seen that much big incident or structural killing in garment industry. 
But if you look at workers' face, they're very young, but after working three, four years, start to lose their youth, their beauty from their face because they have to work more than eight hours. As per law, they have to work eight hours and they can do four hours overtime, but they're bound to do overtime without doing overtime. They cannot survive with the wage scale. And our trade union is highly polluted in our country. So Bangladeshi garment workers are facing many problems like their wage problem, safety problem, and trade union problem. Especially sometimes our owners want to say safety is related with the factory infrastructure and other things. But we don't think that safety is only related with the building in infrastructure. Safety also depends and related with workers wage their daily life uh, their working environment with all this but we don't think that uh, uh, our workers are living in a good life actually most of the workers they come from remote village uh, with a hope of have a new life but they have to work more than 12 hours 14 hours and they don't have enough weekend Female workers, they have to finish their household work and also they have to do the factory worker work. So they are burdened by two types of uh, load uh, at home and at factory. So these are the things going on. So we think that our industry has changed and they are improving. They are getting more income and profit from this sector, but our Bangladeshi garment workers who are part of our development and who uh, are sacrificing their youth for the development of economy, they're not getting any uh, benefit from the development. Well, this wage rise campaign, I mean, you've talked a lot about the issues in the industry. I know that the industry is focusing on a wage rise campaign Even that has been met with such fierce repression, including the disappearance and then arrest of your union's secretary. Presumably other union leaders and activists have been disappeared or arrested or even killed. Can you tell us about the circumstances specifically leading to the arrest of your secretary? We are so uh, disappointed what actually going on in our country, especially for the garment workers, because they demanded the increase of their wage. This is not their fault. This is uh, their right to raise their voice. But when we reject uh, the announced 12,500 taka, we saw that repression started on garment workers. And our general secretary, Babul Hussein also arrested and when he was arrested, we couldn't get any information. We sent him to meet the dead workers' family and wounded workers' family who were dead in this wage movement. Maybe you know that four workers died and many workers arrested and many workers um, got tortured. So uh, we sent him to another district, Ghazipur to meet uh, those people and also uh, meet our organizational member. But we couldn't get any information about him. He was missing for more than 20 hours. Then we found that he arrested by DB police. Uh, He arrested for um, a false case uh, just uh, on him and totally a framed case that he 
So we understood that all these kinds of arrest, torture, repression, uh, all these uh, are going on for uh, actually to control our movement, to stop our voice. So these are the things going on in our country. And we think as per constitution, our right to express our views, uh, we, we, our right, uh, we, we can reject anything. And we demanded the reassessment and also we demanded 25,000 taka for workers. But uh, our owner government, they are very much angry on us and they try to control the movement, I think, through uh, arresting Babul Hussain or other garment leader and other workers. And now uh, in workers area, most of the workers leader and workers are also living in a uh, fear, uh, fear of arrest. Uh, they couldn't stay at home. They think that maybe uh, police will arrest them if they stay at home. Sometime uh, local goon, when the, they started a spontaneous uh, movement after getting the information about uh, government declaration of wage, and which is uh, far away from their expectation. So when they started movement, then the owner closed many factories and uh, the different uh, area, local goon, police, tortured on uh, workers. So uh, this is uh, sometimes we feel that we are like a foreign uh, feeling that we are living in our own country, but we don't feel freedom to say uh, about our views. Teslima, thank you so much for your time on the program today. Is there anything you want to add? I want to say something uh, especially to consumer because um, I know and all of we know that uh, our Bangladeshi garment workers made the consumers day beautiful with uh, new dresses, with fast fashion. Sometimes they don't know what kind of blood said or what kind of real story behind this T-shirt. So they can also make pressure on international brands and through uh, international brands, uh, owner and Bangladeshi government uh, all together can work together. And also uh, we can work, we can make a solidarity bridge for our workers who actually the backbone of our economy. So I you know, want solidarity and support for Bangladeshi garment workers. Uh, I believe that our workers don't beg anything. Uh, this is their right. And we think we can work together, fight together to save our workers and our world. That's it for Stick Together this week. Special thanks to my two guests, Taslima Akhtar, the president of Bangladesh Garment Workers Solidarity, and before her, Vic Sharma, secretary of the Victorian branch of the Railway Trams and Buses Union. If you want to catch up with our program, the podcast is available at 3cr.org.au or iTunes, and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. My name's Giselle Hanna. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. And until next time, stick together and keep safe. <laughs>